In a world of art and entertainment, we often seek deeper meaning and overanalyze the presentation. Director Paul Verhoeven often uses B-movie genre as a vehicle for complex human emotions, social satire, and shocking sex and violence. Is this genius subtext for the artist's intent, or our own imagination looking for cosmic connection where none were intended? We call, we this, call dilemma this dilemma the Verhoeven effect. Hello and welcome to a very special <laughs> Verhoeven Effect podcast again. Yeah, I, I, I choose different naming conventions. Now I've just I've said like, well, we're probably not going to do a thousand episodes. So I started doing the zero, zero, whatever number we're on thing. Because I'm doing a bunch of different stuff just for uh, like clerical things. It's like, this is why you do it this way. And this is why you do it this way. <laughs> anyway, so we are watching or we watched... Instant Family, the 2018 film by director Sean Anders, written by Sean Anders and John Morris, starring Mark Wahlberg and Rose Byrne and Isabella Merced, which this is a this is a comedy, family comedy movie about adopting a family or adopting foster kids, which I when I saw the trailer for it, not impressed, I was like, okay, this is just some family movie. And then uh, uh, they had the director on Joe Rogan's podcast. Yeah. Back back when he was fun, and uh, the director got there, he basically explained his life story about like how oh like this is him and his wife where they just decided one day it's like well we just been trying to make it this whole time and now we now we're kind of old to have kids like we should just adopt kids yeah <laughs> and so they went and adopted kids and I know like some of the uh, the uh, critics about this movie says like this isn't how critic <laughs> this isn't isn't how adoption goes. <laughs> um, but it actually does. <laughs> so. Yeah, so this is a movie I always meant to watch because like it doesn't have like great reviews or anything like that. But I was like, well, this guy sells, gives a convincing pitch, and I've seen some of his other movies like Sex Drive, mm-hmm. which is a, which is a fine, you know, sex comedy. <laughs> it's like better than most. Um, and then like he did like the uh, Daddy's Home movies. Which I've never bothered to see, but I've, I'm they're very successful. So Is that the one with Mark Wahlberg and uh, Mel Gibson. Yeah. Okay. No. And, no. Our, and Will Will Ferrell's Will in it Ferrell, too. Yeah. Yeah. They're all in it. Oh. Okay. <laughs> there we have Act One, start of the movie. It's a, cu- a couple's looking at a garbage house and, and seeing all the potential that they can have uh, that the, the that the house can have as they look at it. Uh, it's, uh, it's Pete and Ellie showing this home to her sister, to Ellie's sister. Cause they're like starting to have a, they want to think about having a family and like, do they end up taking this house in the end? Like the house, at the beginning is the house that in the, for the rest of the movie. I think it is. I'm not sure. Yeah. This is one of their houses. They're going to flip. But yeah. I, but I think at the end of the movie, uh, they like just the, the flip house becomes their new house. Yeah, because it's I don't know, it's bigger. It symbolizes a new start, maybe. I don't know. And there's also like a park and schools nearby and stuff. But yeah, I, I wasn't sure if like the house at the beginning is the house that throughout the movie. Like I thought it was because like I, they do mention like <laughs> we, we put all this money in this garbage house. Yeah, and they live in Southern California, so there's big money in flipping the houses that you know yeah. the houses that were worth a hundred thousand dollars twenty years ago are now worth two million. <laughs> so yeah, that's. Yeah, you just get a, a vacant property that's in disrepair. You spend like twenty grand repairing it, and you spent fifty grand buying it, and now it's worth two million dollars. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's the Amer- it's a new American dream is house flipping. <laughs> till you realize how hard it is to work on a house. So I watch these TV shows where people do this. Like, we want to start flipping houses. I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> and they're just like naively optimistic. Like, I work at a, you know, I run a daycare center, and I'm an engineer, and we're going to flip houses. Like, oh, you just you're just giving up your whole life. You're you're going to have a 200 hour a week work week. Uh, well, there are there are like those houses where it's like all you need to do is do kitchen repair and you're golden. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and like maybe repair a door, a window here, but then there's some stuff. It's like, oh. The foundation is gone. Yeah, <laughs> we just lost all our money. <laughs> yeah, there's this couple I watch. They do. It, I think it's called Hometown. Now they're out of Mississippi, and so they're getting some real interesting houses. 
and they'll get into those houses where it's, oh, yeah, they've been sitting in the Mississippi climate. It's like, this house has good bones, you know, and then they'll start walking around and the general contractor will come in and like, yeah, all the beams that support the house are completely dry rot. And they like puts a pencil through them. Like those are your structural supports. So essentially that show becomes like house rebuilding. Like we're just going to rebuild this house from the ground up. But, you know, with all we're putting into it and the fact it's a TV show and that's a part of our income stream, we're going to be fine. Uh, and then the yeah. people that the masters of that are the Magnolia people. And they're out of Texas somewhere. And now they do some amazing stuff. Like, but, but it's all dependent on like a budget cap that the couple has. Yeah. It's like we bought this house. Uh, we sold our old house. We, have, we bought the house for 200000 We have $300,000 for renovations. And you're like, oh, you know, that's going to look fabulous because... That's basically, ah, we can just pay to have this house rebuilt. And essentially, that's what they do. And sometimes they do more with less. But yeah, and the, at the end of the day, when I see that, I'm like, yeah, that's just an all-day nightmare. I never got the real estate game. That's why I've lived in the same, the first and only house I ever bought. I still live in. I just adapt it to my needs. That's why this is a paint booth and the garage is a, is a wood shop. <laughs> it's also fun to see the amazing things a bottle jack can do. Oh, like yeah. Move, like move an entire house. Yeah, we're just going to jack this house up and <laughs> and put these concrete box under it until it's level. And How much does that cost? $8,000. At first, you think it's a lot, and then you see these guys have to dig out around the foundation of your home and, and raise it with a jack. Put a piece of wood under it. <laughs> and hand crank it up. Hand crank it. 30-ton bottle jack. Like, okay, that's amazing. The, they have the sister. I, I didn't catch the sister's name. Uh, then we have Russ, who's played by Tom Segura. Yeah, so I like always... Tom Segura and the <laughs> such a psycho. <laughs> uh, which is my, probably the main reason why he's on the Joe Rogan podcast, because uh, that's Joe's friend. So he's oh, in okay. this movie, so they end up in there. And then, yeah, then we go to a golf course and Pete and Ellie. Because there's, there's something to bring up where, like, uh, the Russ and the sister are having trouble having kids. And then, like, the that leads to them like thinking about like about them having kids, Pete and Ellie. And they're like, oh, we never really thought about it before. <laughs> and then they go to the golf course and they're just like, think about it's like, well, we actually like kind of like we've been spending all this time working, trying to get our feet under us and we have our feet under us, but we're kind of too old to have kids now. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's when Pete just like, ah, oh, let's just adopt a five-year-old kid. And we'll just get a five-year head start on this. <laughs> cause, uh, cause like they have a flashback. Uh, cause Pete is worried about being an old dad because he accidentally killed his friend's old dad. <laughs> well, he thinks he did. Yeah. This guy just had a heart he, attack. He, uh, yeah. Yeah. He, he told him to go along. He throws a football and the guy has a heart attack, you know, running five feet and then the football hits him on the top of the head and he dies. And the other guy's like, you killed my dad. <laughs> I should probably mention, we're probably going to ruin a lot of jokes. I think this movie's pretty good. So if, if you want to watch it and see the jokes for the first time, and, and stop it now and go watch the movie. Yeah, spoiler alert. Because, I mean, that's why you watch a comedy for is for the jokes. <laughs> I mean, there's other interesting stuff here just about the whole adoption process. So there's also that. Because uh, I think what's fun about this movie is that what we know through pop culture about the adoption process is just terrifying and always brutal. Yeah. <laughs> and here, like, it just kind of puts more of a... It, here, it's also still terrifying and brutal, but it just has more of a sense of humor about it and reality about it, too. So Yeah, it's not... It's not, it's not all... It is happy endings, but... Some of it's some of the comedy takes like a dark note. And, oh uh, yes, yes, the dark. Yeah, the humor is very dark because it's very serious about what it's talking about. <laughs> and it's also like kind of the the viewpoint of like upper middle class people who've kind of like lived their lives the way they want to, and it's like you know they're horrified at like seeing these kids like because it starts out by like going to a website like all these kids need homes, and it's like this is horrible. Why do these kids need homes? Uh, we can do this. This is like flipping a house. You just got to get in there and we're self-made. I mean, you just get in there and you, you start doing your thing. You don't, don't be a, a jackass and these kids will be fine. And it's like, no, no, <laughs> these kids are, are, are very damaged. A lot of them, uh, through yeah. no fault of their own. There's nothing wrong with them other than their parents were crackheads and stuff like that. You have Ellie's on the computer looking at pictures of adopting kids. And that's like really what they look like. It's like, if you ever looked at like adopting an animal, it's the same for children. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You see it and you're like, Oh, this is horrible. I can fix this. This is a problem I can take care of. 
I mean, that's the attitude of the people in the movie. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's naively optimistic, but they're also not like bad people. No. At the end of the day, they're just a little like. Um, well, it's yeah. funny. So she, so she's looking at all these kids to adopt, and so she's just sitting there crying because they like have these little messages like, I, "Please adopt me so I can have a family," and like it's like a little child, and you're just imagining their voice. Yeah. Uh, so she's crying, and then she's like goes to kind of show him. He's like, "What, what are you crazy? Don't show me that." That's not fair. <laughs> you know what that's gonna do? We already rescued this dog. <laughs> and then she kind of goes off to bed, and then he goes and looks at the the uh, the kids, and then he starts crying. And then she kind of comes in and like, "I guess we're adopting kids now." And then we go to like the they go to the adoption agency or wherever they are to get like a um, introductory course into fostering. <laughs> yeah. Or it's like, or it's like a basically it's a class. I think it takes like four or three months to go through. And here we have Sharon and Karen, who's uh, Sharon's played by Tig Notaro and Karen's by Octavia Spencer. And they're like, they're, they're very fun as like the adoption agency contest. Well, I'll tell you what, Tig Notaro reminds me of every social worker I've ever dealt with. And by social workers I've dealt with, I mean, people, a lot of people here that are union reps, they were social workers in Detroit and places like that. And they decided they did, they wanted to make money. So they came to the big three and because they have IQs higher than 60, they get, they become union reps. But it's like they're the same people. They're just here to like, well, let's let's work on this problem. But they get, because they're always working on other people's problems, they have that very far away look, and that very yeah. kind of sad demeanor about you know just she, she she I don't know she must have gone to like L.A. County and been with social workers or something to research that role. That or is that's just her personality because she, she really kind of, nailed kind of- it. I mean, yeah, she's kind of like has that very kind of drab, uh, monotone personality, or at least in her comedy. So, yeah. And here she's just kind of like, you have Sharon's kind of being the more, or no, Karen's kind of being the more like upbeat and emotional one. And then Sharon's trying to kind of like, I'm sorry, that was unprofessional. Yeah. <laughs> yeah every social worker I've ever known is just like, well, you got to manage your expectations. It's like, oh, this is a lifetime of disappointment I'm hearing, right? <sighs> Don't get too That's... emotional about stuff. And so we have the group. It's like there's like these religious prospect parents that like they can't have kids, but yeah. like you know they they're extremely religious. Uh, you have a couple that just can't have kids. You have a gay couple, and then you have a crazy lady who wants to adopt an athlete. <laughs> yeah, who wants to basically do the the, the blind, blind side, side plot yeah. and. And like everyone's telling her that, like that's the story of the Blind Side, <laughs> and she's like, "Oh, but she'd stop." She's a very serious, very Teutonic woman who has these definite goals in mind, uh, <laughs> and everyone just messing with her all the time. And she's like, she's the only one that's uh, adopting as like a single parent. At least that I can pick up on. No, she's single parent. Well, I mean, I didn't see other single parents in the. Oh yeah, group. I mean, yeah, in this, yeah. Uh, then we have a guest speaker's Brenda, and she talks about how she was abused as a child, and like her parents turned the garage into like a meth lab. Yeah. And uh, she was like abused sexually, and like given drugs and all this other stuff, and then like not, you know now she's in a good place, and she's gonna go to college and stuff like that, and then so this kind of like gives pete and ellie like the confidence like oh we could do that <laughs> yeah like i said this it's so <laughs> it's so naive the whole way through it's just like you just got to start just one foot in front of the other you know the all all these life-affirming things that mark Wahlberg's character says <laughs> so naively throughout the story <laughs> uh and what was mostly what's what's the thing with brenda is that she was adopted as a teenager and it's like nobody wants a teenager in foster care yeah and then she gives a statistic that like half the kids who age out of foster care end up homeless, addicted, incarcerated, or dead within two years. Check that out. It's true. <laughs> it's not like that's a fact. I was like, what? I actually paused the movie and and it's it's hard to find. Like I can't give you a link directly to it, but if you do some reading, it's like, yeah, that's it's pretty much military uh, or uh, maybe you're a scholarship kid, but that's that's about a wrap. You know, once you're out. Yeah, I, I didn't find those exact decisions. I got some different ones here from National Foster Youth Institute and it's about aging out of foster care. Uh, I think some of these are from 2015, so yeah, you know, it's somewhat old. But it says more than 250,000 children are placed in the foster care system in the United States every year, which in my mind, I guess I was guessing it would be around a million. So. Yeah, I thought it would be <laughs> higher than that too, yeah. But then they have like every year about 23,000 children age out of foster care. Yeah, 20% of them will instantly become homeless. Uh, one out of two of them might get a job. Yeah, there's about a 3% chance that any of them will have a college degree. 
seven out of ten girls the age out of foster care out of foster care will become pregnant before the age of 23 yep it's just creating more foster kids essentially but yeah it's yeah it's not it's not great <laughs> no it's a it's are you end up like uh the guy in collateral you know tom cruise like his character's yeah. backstory it's like yeah, i was raised in foster care i didn't have a family I joined the military, then I got into this. So they could also become an assassin. You'd never know. Not very the, many of them. And that's the success story. Yeah, those are the ones that like, oh, well, see, he turned out good. <laughs> I mean, he died on a subway car, bent over later. But, you know, until then, it was an interesting life. He was in his 50s. <laughs> it's been a good run. Yeah, so yeah, Pete and Ellie get hyped about adoption. Uh, that's where, like, Pete keeps comparing kids to fixing up a house and or adopting a dog yeah. <laughs> which like it's like as he's like talking about it, he's like i know this sounds bad but you know this is what we do come on <laughs> give us a break yeah it used to be uh, there was a stigma around getting a dog from a pound now they throw you a parade or you know he said something yeah. like that yeah you should call them rescue kids not foster kids <laughs> pete and Elliot, there's kind of a montage that they're building the house for the kids they're like child proofing things and then we go to the adoption fair and yes it's a real thing <laughs> It's like you have foster kids like at this park and then you have potential parents just walk around talking to kids and trying to, trying to match them up. And I looked it up and it's like it's not necessarily like everywhere. It depends like it's like a state to state, state to state and even a, it's a county by county thing. So not everybody does it, but it is a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> and we have the potential adoptive parents like competing over the kids. <laughs> but that's that's fun. <laughs> It's like, no, we're just getting snacks. This kid's ours. <laughs> Which I think that's the kid that's the most violent one. <laughs> yeah, that's the religious parents. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And this is like, <laughs> and this, and then they kind of sit down because they just kind of have weird moments with the kids. Like there's some stuff where just like the weird stuff with the other potential foster parents. And there's like where the kids are like fighting each other. <laughs> and they just kind of sit down and then Sharon shows up. And then so, so it's like you've seen anybody you liked and like and we kind of like that girl over there it looks like she's been chained to a radiator for half her life and the chair goes um that's my daughter <laughs> yeah yeah tignataro's daughter she had a very happy life <laughs> i'm very proud of her it's like yeah you should be <laughs> i don't even have a radiator <laughs> that was good <laughs> Uh, and because Pete and Ellie are having an awkward time, Pete decides because they like the all the teenagers are just kind of like hanging out these steps away from everybody because they're pretty much like kind of consigned that they're not going to get adopted. So as they're going over there, they're kind of like talking to themselves, but loudly. It's like, <laughs> like we're not going to treat them like the piece of shit that everybody else thinks are. We're going to go talk to them. And like one of the girls comes over and is like, uh, we can hear everything you're saying. <laughs> you don't want teenagers. They masturbate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course, yeah. They had this whole monologue that, that like oh yeah we can hear every word you're saying and because yeah they have yeah so they like one of the sassy teenagers her name's lizzie and so then they're looking into adopting her and that's when they start getting the backstory of lizzie lizzie's mother burnt down the house because she's an addict and then her mom's in jail as well which i guess they didn't know that beforehand but you have uh karen just kind of guesses it it's like look i was right <laughs> and then yeah so but yeah lizzie has a younger brother and sister and then Karen puts the pictures in front of them of the brother and the sister kind of looking happy and cute. And then Ellie's like, you because <laughs> they're being manipulative. It's like, now we have to adopt three kids. We can't not adopt three kids. Look how cute they are. Yeah, they uh, said like that. Yeah, the siblings become like uh, the, the, if you take them all at once, they tend to adapt better because they have siblings yeah. there because they can rely. It's the ones they have to rely on. Yeah, because uh, they have to—they're going through this all the time, so they're the only people they can kind of uh, count on. Yeah. Then we kind of then we meet the muskies, who are just kind of—they're relatively harmless people, but they just kind of take in kids for the money, not yeah. necessarily for <laughs> to make a loving family. Uh, and then they always make fun of the muskies for. Yeah, they look they like they're related. Yeah, and funny thing, those two actors are actually married in real life. <laughs> Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> they must have done some makeup or something because they weirdly did look alike. Well, I mean, I don't know. Sometimes overweight people just kind of look the same. They all start to look the same. <laughs> Fat. Oh, yeah. The, the, yeah, this is my other like, favorite one. Like, Pete is worried about being called a white savior because they're looking to adopt Hispanic kids. And then Sharon kind of pantomimes writing down, like, okay, I'll just pin you in for whites only. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was funny. I remember that. And then she basically explains that, like, yeah, there's not really 
it's not really a thing here. The kids come from all races and cultures, and they have adopted parents from all races and cultures. Like it's, it's not some. It's not the. They don't care <laughs> where you come from. Yeah, or how just, it looks. They just want a place to live where there's not like crack being smoked and yeah, you know, the house is on fire and yeah, yeah, that stuff. Was, yeah, Pete and Ellie meet the muskies to meet the kids because they're not, they're just kind of meeting them at first because it's kind of like a halfway house for them or where you call that, you know. Well, it's just, it's another foster home, but this is yeah. one where the parents just take the kids in for the money. It's like, I don't care if you get pregnant or shoot heroin as <laughs> well, long as the check comes in. Well, there's like, uh, like, like animal foster homes that's like, they don't, they, you know, they take in the dog for a while until somebody adopts them, but they're not necessarily like adopting the dog. They're just kind of holding yeah. them for a while. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's placement homes is another name for it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we have so we see Juan who's accident prone and very sensitive, <laughs> and then you have Lita who just kind of yells things and really likes potato chips. Yeah, and then there's a part where they're playing restaurant and she's like yelling at the doll and calling it like racist names. You're uh, embarrassing me. You're stupid. <laughs> that's like that's like a game for the kid. It's yeah, like, oh. yeah, but, and then yeah, like Ellie's like, um, let's not talk to the lady like that. And it's like, don't tell me how to raise my kids. <laughs> you know, this kid's like I don't know, like six or something. Yeah, that's it's funny. funny because she's so small. And... But yeah, so yeah, their first bit is so weird because yeah, at some point the like he's playing basketball with the kid and the ball bounces off the hoop and hits him in the nose and he's like bleeding all over the place. And so they have like second thoughts like, um, this is weird. Should we, should we adopt these kids? I like it when they get the nosebleed stopped and <coughs> he's like, you want to play hide and, or you want to play hide and seek? And Mark Wahlberg's like, I don't know. You lost a lot of blood. Are you sure you're up to that? <laughs> it's just, it's just it's this is weird dialogue <laughs> that only Mark Wahlberg can deliver. Cause he's good at delivering very weird dialogue very sincerely yeah it's like an uh, the observational dialogue i don't do you think that's a good idea well also works from his character's point where he's just kind of like he's like suddenly supposed to ask to be a dad but he doesn't really know how to be a dad yeah <laughs> and so he's just kind of like going through logic scenarios in his head <laughs> and it just comes off as funny because it's like well, you, you can you're he's because he's just trying to be a parent but he's treating it more like it's a a, a math equation like this is solvable <laughs> yeah then Pete and Ellie have Thanksgiving, have a family Thanksgiving dinner, but this is like before they have the kids, and so they're with their family. They're having second thoughts, but then they're like convinced to kind of like to adopt the kids because of like the horrible family arguments that are going around. Yeah, <laughs> like there ends up being like kind of like accidental racism, where like, you have like uh, Russ, the Tom Segura character, is like, "No, we're gonna have kids of our own blood rather than some crack babies and stuff like that." And because they haven't haven't do, doing anything with like being involved tangentially with the foster care system, like they're just. The, you know that that's just how their opinion of it it's like they aren't informed of it, like they've been go, going through this so they're struggling with it so now they become defensive it's like that's not who these kids are and one of my funniest one of the funniest lines is like they have the the dad they have jerry the dad or russ says something to him he's like uh he's like the granddad or whatever it's like you just spent 20 minutes 30 minutes talking about the deep fate you don't have an opinion about your own family he just goes it's none of my business yeah <laughs> this is not my problem <laughs> i want to watch a football game <laughs> talk about conspiracy QAnon or whatever yeah i mean they vaguely allude to it but yeah i mean it's kind of before all that or before all that got big but yeah so the, the kids come home and they show them their rooms they're all like oh really a room I'm like oh wow that's amazing are you guys rich yeah. <laughs> like no 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 like i mean <laughs> we're doing good right now but yeah they explain how like no this is what they do they flip houses so we just like make something look good for on a lesser budget but you know where these kids have been like it's might as well be a mansion yeah like the toilets are attached to the wall and yeah. <laughs> uh and this way i have like we got a, another true thing that's like sad but true it's like it's like can i put my bears in here it's like yeah go ahead oh, like, yeah <laughs> i love this <laughs> they just have like both kids just have trash bags full of bears they're like what's with all the bears and it's like Oh, they get a bear every time they go to a family court. <laughs> yeah, he calls them court bears. It's like, yeah, what? court bears. Oh, my God. And it's a real thing. So, like, the more bears you have, that's just the more sad it is. <laughs> it's like things aren't going well the more time you're in family court. Uh, then they give Lizzie a room, and then she chooses. The, they're just like, yeah, we can paint this whatever color you want. You can do whatever you want. And they're just kind of they're being like really conciliatory because they don't know how to be parents yet. So Lizzie chooses like the darkest black they could find yeah. at the, the store. It's like light-absorbing black almost. <laughs> 
and then yeah, and then Ellie doesn't like it, but she just just goes along with it. And then they have like trouble putting the kids to bed, and it's kind of just a montage of funny things. Because it seems they only have like one bathroom, or at least only one bathroom upstairs. <laughs> it, just, it just becomes a circus. Yeah, it's because one of the kids takes the shower head down and sprays one of them with it because <laughs> that, that seemed like the thing to do. And and then the one girl takes her like electric toothbrush and waves it around. And it's just throwing <laughs> toothpaste all over the house. And... But they're mostly having like a pretty good time with the kids because Pete and Ellie have like a group meeting with other foster parents and the the other parent give them like a hard time because pete and ellie think like oh they're great parents and they got the greatest kids ever they have no pro there's very little problems we have to deal with and they all laugh at them it's like oh you're being really naive <laughs> like because yeah it's all we hear is like some stuff from the other parents were like the this is the what yeah, the other the the church uh couple like their kid is like they have oh, yeah, to constantly taking the lord's name in vain all the time <laughs> uh fighting to, yeah and fighting in school and they he has a cell phone and he's like five years old, but they can't take it away from him because his his uh, birth mother gave it to him. Oh, yeah, yeah. But now they start having problems with the kids and Lizzie's protective of her siblings because like, like it's, I, I, it's somewhere later on, but they said like, you know, Lizzie's basically had to raise her, uh, her kids since she was basically ever since they were born because her mom would just kind of go away, get lost and be uh, high or somewhere. And, uh, and they're like, remember, she's a terrible parent as well. <laughs> she's, she's doing her best, but she's a kid. She's a terrible parent. Well, I didn't realize like the kids all speak Spanish too. Like that yeah, comes yeah. up in the story. It's like, oh, now they got a secret language. It's, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just kind of this extra disconnect. It's like, oh. <laughs> because it's like when Lizzie parents, she parents in Spanish, <laughs> and then they don't understand it. Now they're just the confused white couple. <laughs> Yeah, and the gang go on a family outing uh, to Six Flags. Oh, wait, no. Oh, wait, no, no, this is a different one. This is when they go to, like, there's, like, a, a birthday party. And it's, like, at a barbecue out in the open with the rest of the family. Yeah. It doesn't go well. There's stuff where they try to take the, the phone away from Lizzie, and she, like, hands it over, and it's like, has a picture of her, her birth mom on there. <laughs> and then Russ is like, oh, that's that's her real mom. <laughs> like, like, look down there, kids. This is about to get real. <laughs> and then... And then this is where you find out like Lizzie knows how to like work the system. It's like because she like knows all the rules and like you can't take the phone away from me. That's against the rules. It's my property. But it also seems that like the there's also like the positives is like the other parts of the family like see the kids and like oh there's so they're just like normal kids. They're not just like <laughs> drug addicts. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, then you have them there. At the Pete and Ellie are going to group and now they're telling all their problems and everyone's kind of giving them crap for it because like see we told you. <laughs> But at least their kid isn't threatening to slit their throats in the night. So. Yeah. <laughs> Which that's happening with the religious kids group. Yeah, and the thing is, he looks, that kid look, that you only see him once, but he kind of looks like, oh, a young serial killer. Like, because he's wearing like a tie and glasses. He's like, yeah, yeah. it seems like an odd little kid. Um, yeah, yeah, he kind of looks like a, like a little Pee Wee Herman or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and apparently he's just swearing and threatening people with knives. So. Then we have uh, Pete's mom, Sandy, shows up and like gives everybody a hug, except yeah, for and Ellie. And this was played by Margot Martindale, which, yeah. yeah, she's a very famous actress. Yeah, then she, she gets them all, like, and they're all supposed to be, like, grounded or something at this point, but, like, she the Sandy gives them all, like, tickets to Six Flags. <laughs> and then Lizzie ends up, like, hanging out with her friends and then shows up late coming back. She went to a movie, but then she has, like, a shirt for... And then, like, everybody's getting on it. Even Sandy's like, you know, like, you're, you're getting grounded. But then Lizzie pulls out a shirt that says, like, Grandma Sandy on it. And then just all is forgiven. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I was just showing Lizzie being manipulative here. And then you also have this moment where, like, Pete and Ellie are fantasizing about, like, putting the kids back in the system. Yeah, I like that whole <laughs> moment. It's like, we can just give them back and say it was terrible. We might even get points for trying. You know, they, <laughs> they go through this whole dark scenario about, we could do this. You know, we could come out ahead on, we could take this and turn it into something positive. People would feel sorry for us. They might even give us gifts. Yeah. <laughs> Praise. And they kind of just go through this whole fantasy and inside and just go, we're not going to do that. Right. Yeah, like, that's no. just evil. <laughs> <laughs> At least they realize, I thought this was going to take a real dark turn. <laughs> oh, wow. 
Uh, and then we have like the next day. It's like Lizzie and Ellie have an argument, and then Juan hurts himself with a nail gun. <laughs> yeah, he uh, nails himself through the foot with a framing nailer. And then Pete and Ellie kind of get in trouble for the incident, but the Lizzie ends up like standing up for them, so they don't go back into the foster care. Yeah. And then Karen, Karen kind of gives this like behind the back thumbs up. It's like, hey, she's fighting for you. That's a good thing, <laughs> even though this is a bad thing. <laughs> Yeah, that scene was particularly poignant to me because I've actually seen that happen. <laughs> I, I mean, not the foster kid thing, but someone jamming, nailing their foot to their deck with a framing nailer. It happened next door. It's like, what do we do? It's like, uh, call the ambulance. <laughs> Should I pull it out? No. Why? Because I said, you might have severed something and just bleed to death. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> So yeah, we gotta uh, when you have to pull someone's foot off the deck with a crowbar, it's like, oh yeah, that really happens. It doesn't happen when you're not holding it, however. It doesn't just fall and go off, but you know, it's like, yeah, I've seen that. That struck a chord. It's like, ooh, yeah, I've seen that. That's <laughs> terrifying. And then Ellie thinks she has a breakthrough with Lizzie when she's brushing her hair, but then like she just leaves the hairbrush as a gift, and then she, Lizzie just throws it in the toilet. And then we, this also we find out like she takes her to school, and then like we. Lizzie's like dating like the school janitor or something. Yeah, some kind of weird relationship with this creepy who looks like a porn star guy yeah. or something. And then like uh they're at a soccer game for for Lizzie and then like I guess uh Juan accidentally like, broke her doll who then she calls potato chip because she loves potato chips. Yeah, that's all she'll eat. <laughs> and then so like uh Pete fixes the doll and then she says she goes like thanks daddy and then they're like they're just sitting there like oh my god I just got my first daddy and then they're like kind of hovering around the kids like you need help with anything? <laughs> I want to so, say like, that call me mommy you know yeah <laughs> and then, yeah the little kids like no you're Ellie <laughs> Yeah, it was kind of a fun thing where just Ellie never gets any satisfaction, but it seems like Pete gets the, the, the cheaper. Yeah, Ellie <laughs> Ellie tries to be like the most sincere, caring person, and Pete just kind of shows up, and he's always... <laughs> uh, then we have Pete like kind of bonds with Lizzie by breaking stuff in a the house they're renovating. And then the kids are visiting their birth mother, mother, and like every time they have a visit, that like the kids end up being difficult, so they're talking about this in the group. Well, yeah, I do, I do I, like the, the conversation they have the first time they drop the kids off to the birth mother and they're sitting in the car like far away from them. And she's like, yeah, I mean, you know, we're not doing her a favor. I mean, she was raising her kids like cats in a crack house like, <laughs> or something like that. And he's like, yeah, we don't we don't need to feel bad about anything in dealing involving this woman. She's just irresponsible. <laughs> and it's like, well, she's four months sober. It's like, yeah, she was in jail that's why she's <laughs> it's all this, this yeah. dialogue that, and these are things what i liked about this is like oh these are conversations that people really have yeah this isn't like movie stuff where it's like oh wouldn't that be lovely it's like oh no these people really talk like this and think like this and because they're right i mean we find out it's like oh yeah they they weren't they weren't too awful for thinking that way <laughs> uh, well i mean even in the group they say like they just wish like they think all the time that they wish they could go back to the mom would just go back to jail yeah and then, and then they, they assure them like you know you're not terrible for thinking that it's just just what happens but yeah then but it's also where they find out that the kids might end up back with their mom and then i think the next scene is like yeah, that's where they the kids are putting sharpie on the grandma's face not grandma sandy but the other grandma. yeah i think it's it's uh ellie's grandma yeah or yeah uh but also this where you find out where ellie's sister is going to decide to adopt to and they're <laughs> they're not too enthusiastic about it it's like oh you're look forward to this and, and then like the rusk the tom segura character is like hey man that's this is how you raise your kid that's on you we're not we're gonna do better than this <laughs> yeah he just says what other people think all the time <laughs> and we find out that like uh the what's the, the older character ellie lizzie lizzie is like sexting with her boyfriend yeah she's like sending nudes to her predator boyfriend <laughs> Yeah, or she they, she attempts to, whatever. It's not successful. So. And then they 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 find her phone and they're yelling at her. And Tom Segura looks at the phone and is like, because he's apparently sending uh, pictures of his genitals to her, and he's like, yeah. "Wow, what a trout on this guy! Like, <laughs> Give me that! <laughs> Get out of here!" And then as it's kind of like a pick me up, Pete and Ellie go to the house of the foster parents of, of Brenda, who's like the success story in the beginning when they go yeah. to the thing, and they're like they're trying like trying to get help and. And they're like, oh, yeah, where's Brenda? She's like upstairs studying. He's like, Brenda, come on down. And then they're like, she's in rehab. And they're like, are you me? We did this because you were a success story. Tell me she... And then like the, the woman slaps Ellie in the face. <laughs> yeah. 
it's like we all have our troubles like yes she's doing the work to get better like this is what happens yeah even though they're kind of like disappointed that like brenda isn't like this super success story they're they come away with like speeches like all right yeah we're just supposed to be there for the mother it makes us look good yeah and then in the end when they walk them out of the house it's like it, it seems like everything's on a high note and then the yeah. the foster parents are like okay let's close the door let's get out of here. You know? <laughs> it's like what kind of weird was this that yeah. just happened get away from these crazy people <laughs> and then yeah then they go they go to school the next day and like pete and ellie are like trying to find the the person that she was texting to and they cost the wrong kid charlie and make him cry and then but then they find the the who out who jacob is and it's a you know a grown adult janitor and they chase him down and, and beat him up and then the cops get called there's this fun scene because he first it's jacob getting arrested and put in the back car is like yeah you, yeah you pedophile you're gonna go to jail for that and the cop car pulls away and you see that they're also being arrested yeah which would really happen <laughs> and then their foster kids are left in the car because they're being taken to jail yeah. and because the next day is the family court trial because the original birth mother is birth mother birth mother is seeking custody and yeah. you know they were in jail the night before the yeah, foster parents so yeah, I have that as being the end of Act Two is that they're lowest when they go to jail because like the kids are taken away from them while they're in jail. Yeah, and so when they show up to court the next day, like they don't show up together. Like the whoever's taking care of the foster care is taking care of probably Sharon and Karen take them there, and then they kind of meet them uh, at the hearing. Yeah, things. <laughs> oh yeah, like well yeah, Sandy gives them a pet talk to kind of fix the statement they sent to the judge for the family court. Yeah, which that comes up later. But yeah, when they get this first family court meeting, like it doesn't go well. The, the, like the judge is just asking them yes or no questions, like is this true or not? And, they, and they're like, well, I mean, the context is like yes or no, and they basically have to answer yes to all the uh, out of context, all the terrible things they've been doing. Yeah. <laughs> Which that seemed a little bit of a stretch. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I think if they like went to a school and beat up the. Uh, sending who guy was sending pictures of his penis to an underage girl. I mean, it's like it's probably a little cowboy, but I don't think like any judge that was like, oh, well, they were being protective. I mean, they might have gone a little bit out of control, but you know, it was a way to it was a way to make a scene dramatic. So, well, I mean, in this in the in this specific specific instance, he's reading a letter that Lizzie wrote, and he's just confirming whether the things that she wrote is true or not. And they're yeah. basically like, "Yeah, that's true," because <laughs> uh, she wants to she wants to go back with her mom. Yeah, um, and then you find out later on that like she's been filling out the paperwork for the re- reunification yeah um, papers or whatever. Uh, that's so that's what's going down basically at this point it looks like the kids are going to go back to the mom and they spend one night last night with the kids uh, and it's just kind of a solemn thing where like the wands crying is like well what if she doesn't know how to make the macaron or cheese and noodles the way i like and it's like ah lizzie will show it's okay and it's just kind of a sad thing going on but then they go up the next day and there's a car pulls up and you think it's going to be the mom but it's sharon and karen basically saying that like yeah, she didn't. She's not going to take care of you kids. She can't. And we also saw plenty of drug use paraphernalia. It's like she's not capable. Yeah. And like you've and like Lizzie's been filling out the paperwork, so she just the mom just kind of wanted to not disappoint her again, but she's going to. Yeah. Uh, and then Lizzie just kind of runs away and hides in some neighbor's yard. Um, which we have fun. It's like Joan Cusack shows up. It's like this fun, kind of weird. I mean, it's like. The situation's weird, not her, but she's like reacting to it like weird. But it's yeah, because these just... people are in her backyard, essentially yeah. like her air conditioner shed, and <laughs> uh, and he's like, "Hey, what's going on?" And, and they're like, "Oh, she's having a moment." She's like, "Oh, okay." Yeah. <laughs> but she stands there and listens the whole time, like she acts like she's walking away, and then she, uh, she yeah. By by the way, like every famous comedic actor that have been in movies like this in the last twenty years is in this movie. <laughs> Uh, you know, like the one who plays her mom and and all that. Like she's been in a lot of like comedic roles and yeah, one who gets her air, face airplane. drawn on. Yeah, she's been in everything. Yeah, Joan Cusack's been in a lot of movies like this, and uh, yeah, so it's like yeah, they found a lot of famous people to do bit parts. Yeah, we have Pete and Ellie kind of wait on the sidewalk. So Lizzie's like kind of like ready to go back. Lizzie like reads the their reformed 
court statement and then also you have this weird part where like uh, they all hug but then like joan cusack wants a hug and they're like no no that'd be weird we don't know who you are yeah we're good thanks <laughs> but then uh the, the little kid lita gives her a hug and, and then they go off and leave and then, she, then joan cusack's like talking to sharon karen's like do you guys want a pie and then sharon's like no and karen's like i love pie let's go <laughs> yeah she's trying to stop her it's like she said pie i, I you know how it is <laughs> Uh, then we have four months later, and then uh, they're going to family court to make their like adoption official. They're pronounced a, youth, a new family, and this is where you see all the foster parents from like the sessions, the group sessions, and like all their foster kids. Yeah, uh, and then they all get into the same picture. And it turns uh, out the judge is actually a cool guy. You know, he's, yeah. <laughs> uh, he's not not an ass. Well, I mean, he mentions that like most days in family court isn't happiness. No. But, like this is like the few moments where things are happy. So like even like the the uh, was it the bailiffs or the sheriffs or whatever the bailiffs? Yeah. Okay, yeah, like they're all smiles and stuff because all they see all day is just terrible things. So, uh, yeah, so they all get in the picture. Well, you know Judge Judy, right? Yeah, you know why she's the way she is. No, thirty-five years of being a family court judge in New York oh. City. <laughs> That's why she's. That is her legal background. That's all oh, okay. she did. That's why when people are like, she's so mean. It's like, oh, she's been lied to literally millions of times <laughs> in her life. She just doesn't. She doesn't put up with it anymore. And then you get the 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 title flash, instant family, and then we go to credits, and then. When it shows the director's name, the, the first photo you see, that's uh, him, his wife, and their adopted kids. Okay, okay. Yeah, because it even had a tag at the end about if you want to adopt kids, they yeah. have an 800 number. It's like in a comedy about adoption, like most of it is true. Like, yeah. I mean, there's stuff taken for liberties and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But most of this, it's like it's written from experience because that's that's the director's life. So. Yeah, it, it it is a I will say it's a it is a feel good movie. It can be very emotional, but it is also this is so close to being a black comedy at sometimes. <laughs> at some points I'm like, "Whoa, I didn't see that coming." Or why are they saying that? And Yeah, it's yeah, it's a bit more than what you expected to be. Yeah, I wasn't I didn't go into this with like, "Huh, what's this going to be like?" Because I figured it'd just be like a family-friendly comedy. Yeah, straight, it's like, yeah, straightforward. Yeah. No, it isn't. I mean, it's it's a PG thirteen movie, but they do. But she does. There is a. They do say f- once, and it's pretty yeah. funny. It's at the the Thanksgiving dinner. It's like they're like, no, we're gonna adopt these kids, and if he has a problem, they can. F- off. It's a fun moment. Yeah, you know, all the other kids are like laughing about it. So yeah, it's it's kind of like um yeah it's it's a re- it's a really well done movie. It's not what you think. It's it's yeah, a lot, it's a yeah, lot more Judd Apatow than it is just a family comedy it has kind of that well uh, also like if you watch a trailer you think it would just be an irresponsible movie about adopting children yeah and it's not no <laughs> no these aren't bad people they're just people it's people in horrible circumstances especially the kids it's like how oh, we want to do something to help kids and you realize these kids come from a nightmare background it's like something you can't it's, it's totally outside of their experience or or my experience that you know i yeah. like I said i I knew some uh, a lot of foster kids growing up, and I was always very curious about like, what's your life like? What what's that all about? And uh, and I heard stories that I won't repeat because the shit was f-ing awful. It's like, oh, this is miserable and depressing. And it's like your parents are alive. And it's like one of them is. And it's like you never talk to them. I can't. I can't go near them. It's like why? And then you find out why. I'm not going to repeat it because I know some of these people yeah. still. And it's like, oh my god, your parents allowed that to happen, or. Well, they were on drugs. It's like, they don't love me. It's like, oh, okay. Dude. Wow. All right. <laughs> yeah, I had a few friends in like like childhood where it's like, yeah, you want to hang out? Yeah, sure. It's like, it's like, oh, you want something from the fridge? And like, you just have things in the fridge, do you? Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's... <laughs> but we can have some of that. It's like, yes. What are you talking about? <laughs> And like I said, we're not like rich. We're not from like a super wealthy background. We're from a very middle class background. But yeah, sometimes you run into these kids. It's like, hey, you want some pizza? Oh, I didn't bring any money. It's like, no, just come over. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking? Mom, get some pizzas. You know, it's not like, oh, we got to wait for you know grandma's check to clear or something before we can do that. It's like, yes, yeah, I had a lot of people spend the night at my house. Because I've spent the night at their house a few times. It's like, no, let's spend the night at my house. <laughs> we got Nintendo. We got VCR. We can drink pop, stay up all night, whatever you want to do. Um, I mean, I, I, I like, I, don't get me wrong. I, I kind of like, I like the darker, grimmer aspect to things sometimes, but only as an abstraction. 
when I see it actually happening to people and it's like in front of me, it's like, Ooh, no, this is bad. You know, it's, I know a, yeah, lot, a lot of kids growing up was like, Whoa, they don't have the life we do. It's terrible. And when we say dark comedy in, in terms of this movie, it's just that like, this is a serious situation. It should, it should be treated seriously. And sometimes just the, like we're talking about, like you people just say out loud what's in their head. And it's like, yeah, yeah they, these are the horrible things you have in your head and we're putting it out loud and we're dealing with it. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, because w- when it's abstract, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, these kids have all, you know, something is awful happened to them. You know, mom's a crack whore or whatever. Like, we can just say that. But when you actually know kids where mom is a crack whore, it's like, well, this isn't funny anymore. But it's still, it's like weird. Yeah, I don't know how to react to this. Like, this is stuff you see in, on TV, not stuff you deal with in real life. They did a- I remember as a kid, I spent the night at some of their kid's house. And then I guess we're annoying the dad who was most likely drunk i mean this is a long time ago i don't know and so he just beat his kid oh <laughs> yeah that's always fun that's fun yeah that <laughs> well time to go to sleep good night <laughs> friend comes in just with like a bloody towel on his face well you're ready to go to bed it's like did i just witness a crime <laughs> wait a minute oh yeah i mean I, I knew people that like i never saw anything quite like that yeah where just dad just stares out the window all day it's like they never talk to their parents like they come in the house and just like walk it's like yeah just go to my room it's like oh hey and the like no one looks up someone's (laughs) angrily doing a crossword or dad's just staring out a window like okay (laughs) all right then you ask like what's wrong with your parents you're like nothing it's like okay all right this is normal for you i guess or then the kids that are like you mom I'm not, I'm not saying we didn't have our arguments either, but it was never like first thing walking in the door or the people yeah, think, who, who had like two parents in the house and I didn't know any better. Oh, this is my mom and this is like Earl. And I'm like, you call your dad Earl? Oh, he's not my dad. That's just whose mom's dating. It's like, dating? Isn't that what you do in high school? Where's your dad? He goes, I don't know. Oh, okay. All right. This is different. <laughs> Yeah, the compliment I was going to pay this movie is it feels kind of like a John Hughes movie because there's not really because, you know, like John Hughes would do like, you know, Pretty Pink and and Breakfast Club and stuff like that. But he also did a lot of kind of sentimental family stuff like Uncle Buck and trains, planes and automobiles. Yeah. And like, I feel like there's not really those kinds of movies where they're just not well done anymore. Yeah. And so I'd say like this is along those lines is like a a good kind of family John Hughes movie that's just slightly darker. <laughs> yeah, this movie is not up its own ass about a point, but there is a point at the yeah. end. It's like oh, this is based on people's life experiences. Um, just kind of written as a as a dark comedy, but yeah, it's not. There's no pretentiousness in this movie. It's like because nobody's like there's no super dad or that's why they make fun of the blind side in this. It's like yeah. it's like oh you're just trying to be Sandra Bullock's unlikely character and that unlikely story that you're trying to reproduce for your own you know edification yeah and that lady ends up adopting like a, a white red-headed teenager who's 5'2 and has no athletic coordination yeah. but he does like basketball so it's just that <laughs> but she looks well off so you know yeah and then tom segura finally has a kid and and he's like yeah that could be us one day and the kid just rolls his eyes like yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, they adopt. They're adopting a teenager, and so that's when they're in court. <laughs> yeah, which I think they also get pregnant too. Isn't it? I thought they adopt and get pregnant. I can't remember. I don't remember that part because there's that the reason. One of the reasons they're adopting is that like they just like uh, think because they like, spent thirty thousand dollars on IVF treatments and yeah, it didn't work. It didn't and work, yeah, or maybe I'm thinking of the other sister who basically has like four kids, and like, it's like I'll just pop out another kid just to spite you. <laughs> you know, I'll do it right now. <laughs> <laughs> and her husband she just tells them be quiet yeah <laughs> so yeah i i picked this one because i figured like uh it's not necessarily one of our bleak 70s sci-fi movies yeah I think this, this is a movie that probably people don't wouldn't discuss so i figured it was like kind of an underdog movie that i i i appreciated so yeah, it's a good movie. I was surprised. I was not expecting to like this movie. Um, <laughs> so I was like, oh, this wasn't, this is kind of, it's got some strong points to it. But see, I would never watch this movie just based on the trailer alone. It's like, well, no. yeah, I'm never going to watch that. And then no. you watch it and you're like, oh, this is not what you expect it to be. So yeah, and you're very, very correct. It's like, yeah, it's like a John Hughes type movie. Yeah. It's like there's a lot of good writing in this, good character development. Every all the characters make sense. I mean, they're sort of caricatures, some of them, but there's also I mean, like, yeah, they, like on the surface they are kind of like 
like one dimensional characters or two dimensional, whatever. Yeah. Um, and, but you know, they have realistic depth to them once you just get further into the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, I was actually very happy with this movie and I think everyone else would be too. Yeah. It's if, if you need a, like a pick me up and you like kind of, you like <laughs> well, dark comedies. Well, <laughs> I mean, it is a family movie, but a funny thing, if you look at the, like the reviews for it on Amazon, it's like a bunch of religious ladies being like, there were swear words in this, like one star. <laughs> you obviously missed the point of the movie. <laughs> Apparently this did not resonate with you at all. Hey, it's a PG-13 movie and it's only swearing. That's kind of all there is in there. So. Yeah. Well, if you like what you heard and how couldn't you, you can find us at anchor.fm slash Fairhoven effect. Uh, you can, you can find it in lots of places wherever you listen to your podcast. You can rate our podcast on your platform of choice. You can rate it whatever you want, but the only thing you listen to is whatever the highest thing is, like five stars or thumbs up or whatever they're doing on podcast things. Uh, remember, like uh, you control the algorithm. The algorithm doesn't control you. At anchor.fm, we have listener support. You can support this podcast at three tiers, monthly tiers, either $0.99, cents, $4.99, or $9.99. We're at Twitter, at Verhoeven Effect. Facebook, Verhoeven Effect. We have another podcast, American Greed Factory. You can find us on uh, various platforms except for Spotify. Uh, American Greed Factory. We have American Greed Factory on YouTube, where we you can watch both that show and this show live and unedited. Uh, we have t-shirts at blowthecollar.com slash Greed Factory. And I'm also at twitch.tv slash Greed Factory. I started the first episode of Bot Never Played for uh, Dragon Age Inquisition. Uh, so for uh, the Verhoeven Effect, I'm Conlon. I'm Nathan. Goodbye, America. Goodbye, America.